This is Sunday Letters, the weekly newsletter on life, work and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Larry Maguire. Sunday Letters has been on the go since 2015 in written form and more recently in audio form. And you'll find no advertising here, no marketing, no round-the-corner attempts by third parties to sell you stuff you don't need and part you from your cash. Instead, this show is about content of a deeper nature. Stuff that keeps me up at night. Stuff that I spend hours and days researching, writing, editing, recording. And all because I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth your consideration. And if you enjoy the stuff that I do, if you like what I write and enjoy what I record, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. Costs a fiver a month or 50 a year. And you'll help me create more time to make stuff like this. Get over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com to show your support for the show. So, here's this week's edition. Good day, friends. Larry Maguire here. Welcome to Sunday Letters, the newsletter that goes out weekly every Sunday morning, as the name suggests, uh, where I explore life, work, and our eternal pursuit of happiness. And in today's episode, I'm exploring today's issue episode if you happen to be listening to it i'm exploring the apparent degradation of civil liberties and freedom and i'm taking a perspective that i've borrowed from a psychotherapist social commenter commentator eric from um he passed away around the 1980s i believe but he wrote a book series of books but this one in particular 1942 uh, called the fear of freedom and in it he wrote about um, how human beings uh, perhaps are not taken control of by uh, autocratic uh, leaders but instead embrace it um, embrace their own imprisonment or the imprisonment that's offered to them by crazy people in this case but um, he wrote a lot about um, fascism. I mean, we don't re- refer to it today as fascism, but as neo-fascism, a new version of fascism exists. And it's it's quite pronounced at the minute, especially in the United States. A lot of hatred, a lot of bigotry. Uh, uh, the blacks in America subjected to uh, untold abuses and, and um, their civil liberties taken away. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's the same as the 1960s. I mean, same as all throughout history, has anything changed? There has been, um, I suppose, a force that exists, an elite force that suppresses the voices and views of other people. It doesn't matter what your skin colour is um, or your religious persuasion or your sexual orientation or whatever it is. There's a reason for discrimination and there's always one group that will discriminate against another. But um, there are those at a particular level that uh, promote this discrimination because it serves their interests. So anyway, Eric Fromm wrote a lot about um, the human condition. Uh, I suppose coming from the perspective of having treated uh, people directly for 30, 30 40, 50 years uh, and suggested that the ills of society and how they manifest through fascism, through, through racism, through uh, anti-Semitism, through you name it, 
sexual discrimination, through race discrimination, whatever happens to be, it's all a product of our collective neurosis. So we have individual uh, problems, uh, mental, mental illnesses, you could say. And then when we come together collectively, they play out uh, the way they do. And um, in 1942, he said that uh, the rise of fascism in Europe was a result of people um, being lost, you could say, uh, having a lack of identity. The old world structures that ruled had collapsed in the early part of the 20th century and it created a vacuum. And in our propensity towards imprisonment, the human beings embraced these uh, autocratic uh, fascist leaders like Franco, Mussolini, uh, Hitler. And so um, a, a, what he called a deep-seated unhappiness came bubbling to the surface and manifested in fascism and the perpetration of untold uh, atrocities on the people of Europe, um, the Jews amongst others. So uh, I suppose that you could call it a heightened sense of nationalism and anyone that didn't fit in were considered the scum of the earth, you know. So you can see how that's playing out in certain respects in the United States uh, these days. And um, that's concerning. I mean, it's concerning to me that so many people could support the likes of Donald Trump. Um, and so the problem hasn't gone away. The problem that Eric Fromm identified in the 1940s, that before him, uh, Sigmund Freud identified, although Freud got a lot of things wrong, his view of the human condition was influenced primarily by, you know, that tight, elite kind of uh, uh, upper middle class, wealthy um, cohort of society. But in broad terms, he was he was accurate. So nothing has changed, it seems. And I'm talking about this today in Sunday Letters, how we might wear different clothes today than we did in the 1940s. Um, we might have different or more relaxed beliefs around sexuality and religion and all that kind of stuff. But uh, really, uh, the fundamental problem that gives rise to all these social ills hasn't changed at all. So we'll crack on. This week, I'm examining freedom, or the absence thereof. The subject is current and apt, given that protests seem commonplace in every major city of the industrialised world these days, whether it's outrage at the unlawful death of black Americans, support for an outgoing narcissistic president, riots against the threat to Hong Kong democracy, or demonstrations against COVID restrictions. Populations globally are up in arms over infringements to their civil liberty and sense of freedom. Regarding COVID, the majority seem accepting, albeit reluctantly, of the restrictions to free movement and are towing the line, but many are not, much to the consternation of the political classes and the conformist middle ground. There is dissent. What is it about this group of people that takes them to the streets in protest in the middle of a pandemic? Are they prepared to risk their lives for their voice to be heard? Is the pandemic a hoax or are they simply misinformed? Well. I'm not going to try to answer that one today. Perhaps they are already marginalised 
frustrated and ordinarily at odds with the society in which they live. And now COVID has broken their will to patience. What about the rest of us occupying the middle ground? Maybe we've become too soft, too docile, manipulated by media organisations and political actors and pacified by consumerism so much that we can't see the prison bars. Maybe our comfort has not yet been disrupted to sufficient extents to take us to the streets. What if you were on the breadline and have been there all your life? Would you think differently about what's going on? What's true is that if we are unwilling to challenge official lines and accept the actions of those who do as fulfilling an important purpose, then we are at risk of becoming what Eric Fromm called automatised people. Maybe we already are. This week on Sunday Letters, I'm bringing you social psychologist Eric Fromm's perspective of the human condition from a time when the world was at war and asking, has anything changed? Fashion has changed, our work is different and living standards are arguably higher than our early 20th century predecessors. But has our psychology, in fact, changed? In 1942, at the peak of European conflict, from his US vantage point, Eric Fromm wrote that on the surface, the majority of people seem to operate successfully under all economic and social measures. However, scratch the surface, he said, and there's a deep-seated psychological unhappiness, unconscious suffering on the part of automatised people. In Europe, this unhappiness surfaced, was amplified by propaganda and overtook the ordinary minds of people to devastating effects. We want to assume that today we have learned from our mistakes that we are more aware of our psychological state and the external forces that would seek to command it. But when I examine popular culture and observe how things are on the ground where I live, I see that's not true. Fascism and its violent intolerance for anything outside its dogmatic ideals was an overwhelming threat to social stability in France's time. Or indeed, we could say that it was society's response to it. Regardless, its rise was experienced in Europe as a pronounced sense of nationalism and prejudice towards minorities, with main protagonists Germany, Spain and Italy sharing political ideologies. Fromm says that at the heart of the fascist movement was society's unwillingness to adopt it, was feelings of powerlessness, isolation and lack of identity on the part of individuals. At a collective level, these needs gravitated towards an extreme ideal to which people could belong. With the collapse of the old world powers of Europe, Fromm argued, People were finally free and of, a, of an oppressive order and could embrace democratic systems. They had the opportunity to construct a new representative social system, but they didn't. Instead, they ran straight into the arms of autocratic rulers. In today's society, we believe ourselves to be more advanced and mature than our contemporaries of that time. We consider our democratically free society as prosperous, that it supports everyone relatively equally, allows us to pursue our sense of individuality and upholds our right to demonstrate and bring authorities to account for inhuman and often illegal decisions. But I wonder if that's true. No, not really. I know it's not. Eric Fromm suggested that feelings of insignificance and powerlessness of the individual are the greatest threat to freedom. To me, that's no less apparent today than it was 100 years ago. Not since Fromm's time have generations of people on a global scale been under the weight of multiple threats at once, and the pressure is intense. As I read Fromm's The Fear of Freedom, it appears it was written yesterday, and it is clear to me that humanity has not progressed at all. 
progressed perhaps scientifically, economically and technologically, but not emotionally or psychologically. There are so many examples of this, it doesn't bear making account here. Western industrialised culture has, it seems, regressed or at best stagnated from the perspective of individual freedom. We broke free from monarchies and into the arms of the church. We broke free from the church and into the arms of totalitarianism. We find freedom from that and then we enslave ourselves to capitalism. We seem not to want freedom at all. And now we have added the, co the complication of a global pandemic and that has taken us further away from our, our ideals of a free society. The cracks in our social structures are very much on show. In many ways, we are formed by the culture of our birth, and in that we have no choice. We rarely question it. Attend school, get a job, learn the ropes, find a partner, get married, and perhaps raise a family. That's the script. Although the details change through the generations, it pretty much remains the same from culture to culture. I'm born into a family, and that family represents what Fromm called the psychic agency of society. I learn from my family what is expected of me, the big bad world, and I take the neurosis of that experience with me. All the while, the world extends its tentacles into my developing self, telling me how to live and work, what ideals to strive for, who to be, and so on, always constructing in me the social typical character. The social character on which Fromm wrote throughout his career seems not to have become healthier but sicker as the decades passed. I look around at the world in which I live and I see no real change for the better. In fact, our reliance on material gain, status and social reinforcement of self have arguably become more profound and damaging. Browse Instagram, for example, take in an hour or two of reality TV or read the most popular advice online and we can see the depths of the depravity. The media, recognising our deep-seated desires, enhance the most destructive aspects of the human character to get our attention and sell us shit we don't need. To further anaesthetise ourselves, we become immersed in the fake lives of other people. Is it no wonder that people feel so lost and at odds with their existence under these conditions? We are apparently wealthy, but we are certainly not free. I reject the view that restrictions on movement due to COVID are the cause of the current unease and dissent in society. The dysfunction has existed for a long time. It's just COVID became the piss in our tea. It brought down the house. It revealed the flaw in our armour. The restrictions that became necessary due to the pandemic brought to the surface those feelings of insecurity and helplessness that, spoke, that were spoke of in 1942. Up until recently, we self-medicated with a variety of treatments that are now out of reach. The current crisis has highlighted our deep-seated insecurities and reliance on a system that serves only to reinforce the reality that we're not in control of our own lives. Some people have become more anxious and depressed as a result. Others have decided to fight about it. I can't say which is right or wrong, only that both responses are valid. In Fromm's theory of the ideal character, the average 1940s person had become an automaton under the control of an invisible authority. However, at the same time, they felt they were a free and conscious agent. In a newly developing technological society, work provided a sort of pseudo-freedom, Fromm suggested, whereby individuals adopted dominant thought patterns and made them their own. They were not thinking for themselves, but rather thinking what they were taught to think, and all the while sensing that something wasn't quite right. It's a kind of cognitive unawareness, 
And today, therapists offer treatments such as cognitive behavioral therapy to combat its effect. The real pandemic in our so-called developed society is a psychological discordance with oneself, which COVID has amplified. What we experience in today's neo-capitalist society is the same phenomenon for which Fromm accounted through the drive towards personal wealth and individuality, which, according to Fromm's argument, reinforces personal insecurity and powerlessness, we experience a loss of self. Work has become a means by which we express our false freedom, and our sense of self has become entirely wrapped up in it. How does that fit now for those who have lost their job, not to mention incurring the restrictions imposed on our movement? I can only imagine the turmoil so many people are feeling at the moment. For the rest of us who can still work, our employers have invaded our private space like never before, and there is no longer separation. We used to compartmentalise our working lives, which helped us cope with the challenges it presented. But in the current pandemic, it occupies the same physical and psychological space. Add to this the vast swathes of people who already feel lost and at odds with their work, and we have a real problem. I know this because they've told me. 32% of people responding to an ad hoc survey I've been running for about six months now rate themselves between one and six on a 10-point scale of happiness with their daily work, one being low happiness, 10 being high happiness. In my somewhat unscientific analysis, I set seven as the benchmark for what I term entry-level happiness, sufficient to sustain our interest in any work for long periods. In other words, if respondents were hitting six or lower, they should strongly consider what constitutes their working life. My own personal experience backs up my contention that work for many people has become a soul-destroying, unsatisfactory means to an end existence. The way of life into which we have been born, the one that promised so much, insisted success and happiness are at the other side of material gain, has failed. But this is old news. Generations have been enslaved by an ageing ideology that says we must go to college, get a job, work hard and everything will work out just fine. We are in financial debt to corporations to crippling extents. We work meaningless jobs and labour more hours today than our parents and grandparents did in the 1960s. And this comes despite optimistic predictions from influential economist John Maynard Keynes in 1930 where he said that by 2000, we'd be working less than 20 hours per week and filling our days with leisure activities. So what happened there? It's all a bit depressing, and I realise I'm presenting a dark picture here, but in fairness, it can't get much darker for a lot of people. The bottom line is that how we live really doesn't serve us very well, nor does it serve the planet. We walk our world pretending to be someone, but never our authentic selves. To be authentic, to speak our minds is an impossible feat. We might do a good job at maintaining the facade, even convincing ourselves in the process that we are free, but as Fromm said, it's a kind of pseudo-freedom. Writer Sean St. Jean writes that similar to Fromm, Sigmund Freud believes we veil ourselves beneath elaborate illusions to mask or dilute what he called the misery of life. However, Fromm believed that if we can bring into awareness the fictitious character with which we have assigned this misery, we could transform our lives. The truth is that every one of us is hurting and none of us is free. We carry with us perhaps an unresolvable pain that we hide deep inside us and we often don't even know it's there. 
we just see the effect of it. In difficult times, it becomes increasingly difficult to keep it hidden. Now, you might criticise me for weighing in on the negative side of things a little bit too much here, but the fact is, there's no benefit in denying when we are bleeding from the neck. We have been for some time, and it's only so long before we bleed out. We carry with us the psychic blueprint of a disorder handed down from generation to generation. Unless we find out how to resolve our inner conflict, society's conflict will continue unabated, and we will never truly be free. We might wear our hair differently, drive nicer cars, and have faster internet, but the same fundamental problems remain. Thanks for listening to this week's Sunday Letters. I've been Larry McGuire. If you want to read the article and get the links um, and uh, references to some of the material that I mentioned, get over to sundayletters.substack.com and that's where you'll find it. Every issue goes out Sunday mornings. uh, Well, Sunday around lunchtime, uh, Irish Standard Time, which is New York is about five hours ahead. uh, Anyway, you can do the the maths yourself. But... uh, It'll be there for you to read. It's free um, for everybody every week. I do have a bonus uh, episode going out on Wednesdays, starting this Wednesday. It's called uh, The Gnomic. And there's some uh, there's some bits and pieces in there you might like. I talk about an album that uh, I enjoy listening to. I talk about a book that has influenced my thinking uh, I, uh, I offer a quote from somebody that I respect, a writer or, or, a, or a scientist that I respect, uh, and a general thought about this, that, or the other. You might find it valuable. Anyway, that's for um, that's for paid members, so you can get that on a Wednesday. Uh, something different for those who are supporting the uh, the newsletter. If you'd like to support the work I do, get over to sundayletters.substack.com and subscribe. It costs a fiver a month, or you can pick it up for fifty a year, and uh, your contribution helps me uh, create time to make this newsletter possible i appreciate your time and your energy coming here to read or listen uh, to what i have to say uh, you're under no obligation at all um, i just have ideas and uh, observations that i'd like to share and this is where i do it so uh, thanks once again for coming along and i'll see you next week on sunday letters or on wednesday if you happen to be a paid supporter so uh, That's all I've got for now. Thanks for tuning in. Take care and all the best.